Our world desperately needs Jesus. It needs to hear. How can they hear unless they are someone is sent? And that's what our missionaries do. Our missionaries are sent by God and anointed and called by God, and then we get behind them in prayer support and financial support and lifting them up. And we are so honored to have incredible missionaries with us here on our final weekend of our 2016 Missions Conference. Let me tell you a little bit about them, although in your prayer journal, it will give you a lot more information about them. Uh, Tim and Marquita Sutherland have served as missionaries in Europe since 1998. They've been powerfully, powerfully used by God. They're church planters. It was fun being able to take them around earlier uh, when they first got here and show them, you know, because in reality, sort of the North Campus planted us and what we've been attempting, and they're very familiar with church planting initiatives. In fact, they've seen an incredible movement uh, during their time of ministry there uh, through a process of renewal. I've seen, listen to this now, this is amazing when you think about it, a movement that has grown from 60 churches to now over 270 churches. Uh, during that time, they have also been instrumental in introducing Chi Alpha, and a lot of you are familiar with Chi Alpha, uh, this great student ministry uh, to these nations as well. Their goal is simply this, to reach, and it's a wonderful goal, to, un- to reach unreached people groups of Northwestern Europe to resource the national leaders and to restore church renewal planning throughout these countries. I'd love it if you'd put your hands together and give an incredible welcome to our missionary guests, Tim and Marquita Sutherland. Good morning, Victory Church. Everyone's doing fine, doing well today. Isn't the Lord good? I tell you, mission conference time is just, it's, for me, it's just the most exciting time in, in the church calendar. It's just a wonderful to be a part, to put emphasis on the, on the Great Commission, to put emphasis on the fact that Jesus Christ, His mission and His plan will not be stopped. The question is, will you and I be a part of it? It's all about obedience. It's about what will we do? And it comes down to saying, Lord, here I am, send me. And whatever that means for you, and during this missions conference, and even today, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bless us and uh, speak to us, as uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned. I've really, I've enjoyed getting to meet him and get to know him a little better. Um, my wife, Marquita, and I, we went to the Netherlands many years ago. I, I grew up on a farm in Illinois. I'm the last guy that I would have thought, you know, I, I would never have sent me to the metropolitan areas of Europe. I mean, I'm just the last guy. I, I, I'm a farm kid. My wife grew up in South Africa. And yet we went with our two sons and uh, had a third boy over there. He's our Dutch baby. And uh, so we've we've been there for many years and serve uh, as church planters and working with just really saying, God, show us where you want to, show us what you're doing. Your word says the fields are ripened to harvest. If that's true, Lord, show us where. And we'll go work in those fields. And that's what he's been faithful to do. And we now serve in, in leadership in Northwest Europe, which would be Scandinavia, uh, Ireland, the UK, and then the Netherlands all the way down through France. And I, can I just tell you this morning, God is not finished with Europe. He's still at work there, and we're seeing him do, it's a whole new day there. And I want to look at that a little bit. Before we do, though, I want to uh, read one passage of Scripture. And in doing so, I want to say thank you to Victory Church. Can I tell you, among the missionary family, among the churches at large, you're known as a great missions church. You're known. As a church that believes in the Great Commission, you believe that the kingdom of God is going out across the earth and world, and you're a major part of that. Your sacrificial giving, your obedient giving, every month in Faith Promise has allowed the, I believe it's 171 missionary families to be established, boots on the ground around the world, taking the good news of Jesus Christ to people who've who've never heard. 
And I want to say thank you for allowing, just for being that type of, uh, of church, for saying this is the church that we're going to be. That's the leadership of this church. And I can just tell you that God's going to, God blesses churches like that. I, I want to read this passage this morning. It is part of the Great Commission. In fact, I believe it's the secret. It's the key to the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. I'm just going to read the last sentence of that chapter, which is the last sentence of the whole book of Matthew. It says, And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, right now, Lord, I invite you to have your way in this place. Lord, we are open now to what your Spirit wants to say to your church. We're, Lord, I, I'm asking not only that you anoint the words that I might speak, but it would, you would anoint the ears that they would hear clearly what you're saying to the church corporately, but Lord, what you're also saying to us individually. Lord, I believe that it's such a great blessing to be a part of this last day harvest. And you're inviting all of us to be a part of it. All of us to take our place in this labor, this harvest field, Lord. And God, I just invite to this missions conference that you would speak to us and let us hear again. Not just the cry of humanity, but Lord, I believe your cry, for you weep over the broken and the lost people of this world. Lord, may we hear your cry this morning. And Jesus, I invite you to have your way in this place now. In your precious name, amen and amen. If you're new to the church, like uh, many people that we minister to in, in church planting in Europe, you may not say, well, whoa, you've mentioned the Great Commission. W- what is that really? Well, basically what it is, it's, the, it's really the last thing that Jesus said to his followers just before I mean, he, 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 he came on this earth, he, he lived, he had his ministry, he, he died on a cross, he rose again victoriously, and then he met with his followers, and just there at the end, he, he had a message for them before he sent it to heaven, and this message... It's kind of like the last thing you want to say before you leave. He, he says to them, there's one thing else you need to know, and he says this. He tells them that first, this passage that we call the Great Commission, he tells them that all authority has been given to him. Aren't you glad today that all authority is Jesus? He, it's not the White House or the Capitol or the banks or anything. All authority is given to Jesus. He goes on to say, to tells us to go. In other words, we're not just supposed to take this good news and hold it amongst ourselves and as much as we enjoy just our fellowship with each other. He's saying, go, take it out of here and go into all the world. He goes on to say, make disciples of all nations. He tells us to baptize them. He says, the followers of Jesus are going to be set apart with baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, to teach them everything I've, I've commanded, everything. Teach them everything I've commanded you. And then it's, if he stopped right there, we'd say, okay, we've got our marching orders. We know that Jesus has all authority. We know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go out, make disciples, baptize people, teach people. We get that. Okay, God, we know what to do. And books and volumes of books have been written on this. Sermons have been preached on it. Podcasts are done, magazines, whatever you want to say. All that's been done on this, and it's so important. But can I tell you, Jesus does this beautiful thing right at the end, and he says, I want to tell you one more thing. This is the secret ingredient to all of it. Because if all we had was the first things he mentioned, it is good that he has all authority. It is good that we go. It is good that we have the doctrine. It's good that we have the, 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 the making of disciples, the how to baptize. It's good that we have the, But Jesus said, you're going to need one more thing. And that one more thing you're going to need is this. I, Jesus Christ says, I will be with you always. 
I'm always going to be standing next to you. I'm always going to be in front of you. I'm always going to be, I'm always going to, you never have to wonder. You never have to worry and say, God, where are you? He is right there with us. And that's what this passage is telling us. In fact, Eugene Peterson in the message says this. He quotes it this way. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. He's basically saying this. Jesus is saying, I'll be with you day after day after day, hour after hour after hour, minute after minute after minute, second after second. There is not going to be one single second that I'm not right there with you. And friends, for for the church, this is the difference. This is the secret ingredient that changes everything. Because if it's not, if we don't have Jesus Christ's empowerment with us, which we know is done by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you and I know we're out there on our own. But Jesus says, you're not going to be out there on your own. I'll be with you always. And friends, if the Great Commission, you might say, well, that's really great. I'm glad Pastor Jeff has that because he probably needs that. Good to have Jesus standing next to you. I'm glad the worship team, boy, didn't do a great job today. You know, it, it's, it's like, I'm glad they've got Jesus in there. Boy, the, the sound guys up there, when they got this missionary, they got to take care of make him. Man, they're, they're, I'm glad they're with him. The kids' workers, you bet Jesus is with them because, man, they need it. Because let me tell you, friends, if the Great Commission, it's either for all of us or it's for none of us. It's for you as well. Jesus is saying, I want you to be a part of this thing, and I'll be standing next to you every second of it. In Europe, we've recognized that there's three things that we want to be a part of. We, we have recognized that we are going to stand with the marginalized. I'm part of the Europe, for Symbols of God, part of the leadership team for Europe, and, and we recognize we're going to stand with the marginalized. We recognize that we're going to inspire the national churches for revitalization. One thing, can I tell you right now that the church in Europe is either going to be revitalized or the doors are going to shut. We're that close. In fact, in Amsterdam, I met with one denomination, I won't tell you who they are, who looked at us and said, and they had lots of churches in their country, and they said, we know this, if there's a church in in Amsterdam in the future, it will be a Pentecostal one. They recognize that only God can turn this thing around. And on the other side, we say, but what about the secular people of Europe? What about the Frenchman and the Irishman and the German and the Dutch guy? What about all of these people, this masses of humanity who say we want nothing to do with God? And yet there's one problem. We could say, sure, to have be done with Europe, be finished with them. I just have this one problem. Europeans say we're done with God. But God says, I'm not done with you. I'm not finished yet. I'm still going to pour out my spirit because you see, friends, he's not just standing with us. He's standing with them. And so we look at the marginalized. Now, if I, preach, if I was to preach here a couple of years ago, I would have told you this wonderful story about a guy in a church just like this one, a guy just like you, had a job, family, but he had this Muslim neighbor. And one day he felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to reach out to that Muslim neighbor. Now, whoa, wait a minute. This, you know, I don't mind talking to this guy or that guy, but whoa. Because you see, friends, the first fear, the first thing the enemy wants to do is bring fear into your life. And his number one fear is Jesus isn't standing there. You're by yourself. And you might mess it up. Do you really think that with God's in it, you can mess it up? 
Do you think maybe God could fix even our the mistakes that we make? Can't God even use them for his glory? But the enemy wants to tell you, God can't use you. And God says, you're exactly the one. In fact, pastor, some people have said to me, well, God's asking me to do something I can't do. And I want to say to that, well, duh. That's the point. God says, I know you can't do it. I'm going to ask you to do it because I'll be the one doing it through you. So if God's asking you to do something you can't do, then it's probably God asking you to do it. So this guy says, God, okay, I'm going to reach out to my Muslim neighbor. He reaches out to his Muslim neighbor, invites him over for a coffee, has a meal, and a wonderful thing happens. He is able to lead that Muslim neighbor to Jesus. He comes into the church. He gets discipled. He's part of the church. I don't know if he worked the coffee. I don't know if he's got the donuts out. I don't know if maybe he's part of the soundboard. Maybe he's in the worship team. I don't know. And one day, this converted Muslim said, you know, went to his pastor and said, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think God's calling me in the ministry. So the pastor got him some training. He got some training. And he went out, and to make a long story short, today we have a church that this converted Muslim pastors, and he has 150 converted Muslims in his church. All because, praise the Lord, praise God for that. All because one person, just like you said, I'll believe God enough to do something risky. But see, that was two years ago. Fifteen months ago, when the refugees started pouring into Europe, Europe changed forever. My friend, Op Mirbeek, pastored a church in a town called Alphen on the Rhine. He had about 200 people in his church. Today he has 250 because 50 of them are converted Muslims. Another friend of mine in the town of Zandam, he was having so many Muslims that he was baptizing 20 every other Sunday, and the church was just packed with people. Muslims, people who we say would never come to Jesus, but Jesus has gone to them, and they find themselves in Europe, and they say, we want this Christianity that you're talking about, and they're being converted right all over the place. And these stories are all across the continent. They're in places like Athens, and they're in places like Rome. Did you know that in Vienna, Austria, it's almost out of control, the Muslims that are returning to Jesus Christ? They're coming all over the place. In fact, I can say this, and I say it on solid ground. Every church in Europe that reaches out to the refugee sees converts. Every single one of them. I met a man years ago. His name was Shawkat. He was a converted Muslim, marginalized, comes to Jesus about 10 years ago. He went to his pastor. He was in the town of Hirhuchavard, which I should kind of do this when I say that. Hirhuchavard. And Shawkat went to his pastor and said, I think God's calling me to reach out to other Muslims, and so can I start a little ministry? He said, sure. So Sunday afternoon, Shawkat would invite people over. He did it for 10 years, and then 10 years later, he had three. I met Shawkat the first time when he had three people. Last Christmas... I mean, less than a year ago, the government of Hirhukhavar, the city council people, came to the church and said, we understand you got this ministry to, to people from the Middle East. He said, yeah, this guy's named Shawkat. He runs it. So they went to Shawkat and said, hey, could you help us out? What do you need? Well, we're getting ready to put 600 Middle Eastern people, all over the people from all the Middle East, in a refugee camp a block from your church. Could you reach out to these people? He said, sure. And today, that church doesn't have three people. They have three brand-new congregations of converted Syrians who've come to Jesus Christ, of Afghanis who've come to Jesus Christ, of Iranians who've come. Did you know the fastest-growing church in the world is the Iranian church? They're coming to Jesus in mass. 
Because Jesus looks at the marginalized and says, I am going to bless these people. I'm going to reach out to these people. I'm not going to allow these people to be forgotten. In fact, I have a friend who was in a, who I just got this email 36 hours ago. He's in the refugee camps in Europe visiting them. He writes this, 36 hours old, overwhelming days with refugees. I sat in a church tonight with about 70-plus refugees, all singing and praising God. The stories were heart-wrenching. Not sure my emotions can handle much more of this trip. Two more camps to visit. Jesus is so evident in their lives. Now, in this moment, I know what you might be saying. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're so happy that God's reaching out to these. That's beautiful. But listen, ISIS is with those people. Al-Qaeda is with those people. There's terrorists among these people. This is my prayer. Lord, may the governments of the world be diligent and relentless in finding terrorists among the refugees. But may your church, Lord Jesus Christ, be diligent and relentless in finding you among the refugees. Because, friends, I've never seen a State Department uh, report. I've never seen a CIA statement. I don't know what the Defense Department might say. I've never read their briefings. I don't know if there's terrorists among these refugees. But I have read this briefing. I've read the Matthew briefing. I've read the briefing that Jesus says, I am surely with these people. I know that he is there among them. And we have stories and testimonies over and over and over of people who have come to Christ out of these refugees' communities. And so you and I have got to the place that ask, how could the church turn our backs on them? How do we turn our back on the fact that they believe that as many as 10,000 children in this mass humanity coming across Europe, as many as 10,000 children have been kidnapped and are now victims of human trafficking? How does the church turn its back? Is not now the time that we be people of compassion and grace and the power of the Holy Spirit? Now is the time for the church to be the church among these people. If we turn our backs on them, then Islam wins. But if we reach out with love and compassion and the power of the Spirit, Jesus gets all the glory for that. And this is where we stand here. But, and from that, we're seeing the marginalized. We see the church is being revitalized. And I don't have this time this morning to tell you, but just real quick, this month, I'm sorry, in October, last month, October, we planted four new churches in Europe. We're seeing churches planted, and it's not, that's just with the Assemblies of God missionaries. It's churches that are being planted with all kinds of people. We're looking at new ways of planting churches. I, I just love being in church in a movie theater today. I love that because we do that kind of thing. We planted churches in bars. We planted them in hotels, people's living rooms and nightclubs. We'll plant the church anywhere because Jesus says he plants the church and we're go, he's going to build this thing and you and I get to be a part of it. And we're seeing him do it. And you say, whoa, 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 that's off limits. But this book says, wait a minute. Jesus says, I am with you always. Wherever we go, Christ is with us. And we've seen this in church planting. Wherever we go, Jesus Christ is there to plant his church. And then we reach the heart. People say to me, do you have unreached people groups in Europe? Yes, we do. They're the easy ones. What about the secular? What about the secularized? 
What about that Frenchman who doesn't even believe God exists and thinks it's ridiculous that you would even need to talk about him? What about that Dutchman that I've met many of them who are so angry at God and the church, they want nothing to do with it? What about them? And I have come to the conclusion very quickly that only Jesus Christ can change it. He's got to be standing here with us. He's got to be the one. This story best symbolizes my view of how to reach secularized. And when I say secularized, these unreached people group, the secular French, the secular Dutch, these unreached people, how about the secularized Floridian? What about your neighbor that wants nothing to do with God? What about him? How do we reach him? We, have, uh, we worked a lot with church planting, and one of the things that we would often do is the Alpha Course. Now, if you don't know what the Alpha Course is, basically what it is, it's two Christians get together, maybe three, two or three. They go out and they invite all their, Christian, their non-Christian friends they know. They get as many as they can find, and they invite them for a meal. And then what they do, they say, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We'll have a meal like on a Tuesday night, and then we'll talk about God. And we set up, we'll commit to this next 15 weeks or so, to talk about God on Tuesday nights or whatever night you pick. So first night of the Alpha Course, you get there and you say, who is God? Well, you just let them talk. I've been there. Oh, God's a dolphin. I've heard God's a dolphin. God's a tree. You know, I'm God. You're God. We're all God. There is no God. You hear it all. You just let them talk. You just act yeah, let them talk. Then you talk about, you know, sin, and you talk about the next week, you talk about sin, you talk about Jesus. And on week four, you give them the opportunity to come to Jesus. Now, if you watch the training videos, on week four, it's just wonderful and glorious, and everybody comes to Jesus. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, how many of you know sometimes the owner manual doesn't always work the way it's supposed to work? Now, about week 10, they have a thing they call the Holy Spirit Weekend. And what they do, this group of people gather together, and on week 10, you talk about laying on of hands and speaking in tongues and praying and, and healing and all that kind of stuff. So, I was invited to speak on a Holy Spirit weekend for an Alpha course in The Hague. A friend of mine was planting a church, and he had a guy working with him, and he was, there was a pastor and this elder. And so I showed up for the meal. Now, you got the meal first, and in the middle of the meal, it hit me. Now, this is all in Dutch, which, by the way, Dutch is a beautiful language. It's just really ugly because um, it's guttural. <laughs> it talks like that a little bit. So... It's all in Dutch, and so I'm, I'm doing this thing, and about halfway through the meal, I recognize these guys missed week four. You know what I'm talking about? These people don't know Jesus. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. So they all went out to smoke a cigarette, and I went to the pastor and this deacon. I said, hey, guys, um, I think they missed week four. He said, yeah, they, they keep coming back. We really don't know why. We think it might be because of the free food. This was a group of about 12, 20-somethings. I mean, dope's legal in the Netherlands, so dope smoking, whatever, 20-something, secular people. And we were, I was like, well, okay. Here, so I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with these people, okay? So I sat down. So they came back in. We sat in this little Dutch living room, and they... Uh, I started. I, now, now, for some reason, I still don't to this day know why I said it. I said, I'm going to talk. I have a talk. And I had like an hour and a half teaching thing. I'm going to talk. And then I'm going to pray for you. Well, five minutes into it, this Dutch guy over here says something. I don't even know what it was. And before I could answer, this one answered him for me. And the next thing I you know, they started arguing. 
Now these two are fighting. Well, this pastor tried to referee, and he got in the fight, and then the deacon tries to referee, and these other two fight. Next thing you know, the whole room's arguing. And let me tell you, I love Dutch people, but when they argue, it's like, <laughs> it's just back and forth. And I'm trying to figure out what are these people, I'm trying to keep up with the arguments, and they're talking about, I've never heard people talk who know so little about the conversation. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and they're fighting. And I mean, it was so awful. It was like the Holy Spirit said, I'm getting my coat. You ever been there? So I threw up my hands 30, 35 minutes into it. I said, that's it. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to pray. I was done. I was finished. I'm done. I'm going to pray. And one of them said, well, can, I smoke, can we go smoke a cigarette first? Sure, go smoke a cigarette. So they all left to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Man, I went straight to that pastor and deacon and said, what is that? He said, they fight every Tuesday night. They fight all the time. We think they like the free food and the free-for-all fight. They're just fighting. And I was like, this is terrible. They came back in. They sat down in a semicircle. And I, we had a chair up. And I said, okay, uh, we're going to put you in the chair. And, and we talked about laying on of hands and speaking in tongues and praying and blessing and the Holy Spirit. We talked about all that. So I said, who wants to go first? Of course, nobody wanted to go. So the pastor said, I'll go first. So he sat in the chair. And the deacon prayed. And I prayed. And then deacon got in the chair. Pastor prayed. I prayed. I got in the chair. Now, when I got in the chair... I don't know why, but I had this thought in my head that it's okay if I open just one eye, my eyes are still closed, okay? So I opened one eye, and I looked at these people, these 12, 20-something Dutch people. They were all staring back at me, totally bored out of their minds. And it was like God was saying, Holy Spirit's like, I'm out of here. I'm at the door. I'm leaving now. This is over. So I, they said amen, and I got up and said, who wants to go first? Nobody else wanted to go. And so I pointed over here, semicircle. I said, you, why don't you just get in the chair first? This girl went and sat in the chair, and we prayed, and pastor prayed, deacon prayed. I prayed, amen, next. Pastor prayed, deacon prayed, next. We're just whipping through them because it really doesn't matter. You know, God, God's left us. He's not here. And about right in here, this girl got in the chair, and this is how boring this prayer meeting was. While the pastor and the deacon praying, which I should be, you know, I'm leading this thing. I'm supposed to be like, you know, saint or holy or whatever. She had a, she had taken her hair and had a water fountain on top of it. She didn't have a ponytail back here. She put it on top of her head. And I, all seriousness, I said, we never talked about this in seminary. Do you lay hands on the water fountain and push it down or push it to the side? I really don't know what you do. That's how boring this was. That's what I was going through my head. What did I do here? So I put my hands on her shoulder, pastor's praying, deacon's praying. And when it became my turn to pray, friends, Jesus said, surely I'm with you always. Always. Even when you feel like he's not there. When you go to work and you say, God, where are you? He's right there. And most of the time he's weeping with you over the lostness of mankind. I put my hand on her shoulder, and I, this is all I said to her in Dutch. I said, I see you standing in front of a big wall. That is all I said. And she threw her head back. I remember seeing, seeing the water fountain just go back like that. And she started sobbing uncontrollably. I mean, she's losing it. 
I was like, my goodness, what's this all about? And Nola said, I just couldn't take my, I'm a farm boy. My Illinois farm boy heart just couldn't take it. I mean, I started crying. I looked over the deacons crying, the pastors crying. And then I looked at all these people. They were all crying. Everybody in the room is crying and she is losing it. She is just so out of control weeping. One guy sitting right here was doing this. He said, what's wrong with me? He couldn't understand why he was crying. The Holy Spirit was just doing his thing right there. It wasn't about him being gone. He was waiting for the perfect moment to do what he does best, to do what only he could do that moment. And I said to her, I see you standing in front of this wall. She cried. We all cried. And then I said, okay, I see you standing in front of this wall. You're pounding on it. You've been pounding so long, blood is running down your arm. And God's on the other side, and God wants you to know this. You can stop pounding. In fact, you may want to back up because I'm going to bust through the wall and come to you. We all cried a whole bunch more. We cried and cried. It was like God was saying, if you want to reach the secularized European, I'm going to have to move in a sovereign way in their life. And friends, your neighbors and your friends and your family who want nothing to do with Jesus, God is going to have to move in a miraculous, sovereign way that all you can do is pray and cry out to him and ask him to do it. And he moved into that room, and that young girl prayed the most beautiful Dutch prayer I've ever heard. It was only two sentences. God, I don't know what to say, but would you come deep inside of me? And Jesus transformed her right there in the chair. You know what? One of the greatest, this, this, the, the icing on that cake. Remember, she was sitting here. There was a girl sitting over here. She slowly put up her hand and said, can I go next? You see, they're hungry for the power of God. We talked, your pastor mentioned earlier, most of the world doesn't have food. They don't have clothes. But for Europe, they've never experienced an outpouring of the Spirit like you and I experienced even here this morning. They don't know what that's like. They don't know what that means. And friends, this morning, let me just conclude by saying this. You see, if he's with us in the going, he never leaves us. He's right there. If he's with us in the going, he's with us in the giving. And during this missions conference, you're going to be challenged to be a part of faith promise. We've heard a lot of sermons on the, good, the Great Commission. You know what the verse before the Great Commission says? Then Jesus, I'm sorry, it says, when they saw him, meaning Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Whoa, whoa, God wouldn't use me. God wouldn't do that with me. I like the way that Eugene Peterson writes it, that verse. Though some held back, not sure about worship, not sure about risking themselves. Missions is all about obedience. Can I really believe he's standing right next to me? Can I really believe he wants to use me? Can I really believe that whatever he asks me to do, I can trust him to do it? And he's standing right there and he's saying, surely I'm with you always. And then it says to the very end of the age. And what that means? As long as the clock is ticking, he's with us. He's right there. Let's pray together.
Jesus, right now, Lord, I invite your Holy Spirit to have your way in this place, to speak to us, God, give freedom in this house right now. God, we believe that you, you even said to those, you said, are you willing to take the risk? They weren't really sure. You said, even with those people, those who doubt, you're still with them. And so, Father, may we just hear your voice right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And please let him know how much you appreciated that great, great message. I'm going to ask that the lights would be uh, turned on, and I want everybody to hang steady. You know that we're ahead of schedule. It's not time to dismiss yet, but we're not going to be long. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to make a difference with your life. You get one life. That's all I get. We get one life. We get one shot. That's it. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is all it. And here's what I want to assure you of. I know that you do not want to get to the end of your life and feel as though you've lived only for yourself. You want to leave a mark in this world. You want to make a difference in the world. How absolutely unfulfilling and futile it would be to get to the end of your life and just say, you know what, I've never really did anything of great significance. It was really all about me. I know that none of you wants that to be true of you. And we get an awesome privilege today, and that is to partner with God and partner with our missionaries. You see, our great God who sent his son Jesus into the world to pay off the sin debt of the whole world, to die in our place in the sense of the whole world, the whole world, everybody's place. He calls and anoints missionaries just like Tim and Marquita and others, 171 or so that we support every single month. And they look for help and we want to help. And when we express faith every month, when we write the check, that the resources are going to be there. And we make a faith promise today individually. And I'm going to ask every one of you to participate in that. I'm going to ask you to reach into your bulletin, and in your bulletin is an envelope just like this. It's a white envelope. It says, World Missions, Fitchery Church, My Mission Faith Promise. I want everybody to take this out, everybody. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a Missions Faith Promise, just lift your hand like this. There's some ushers ready, and they're going to, they're going to put a Mission Faith Promise card in your hand. If you don't have one, just lift your hand and keep it up. Or if you have a card but you don't have a pen, just lift your hand and and keep it up. Just keep your hand up long enough, and they'll see you. They're going to find you and give you a card or a pen or both, whatever it is that you need. And I'm going to ask everybody to make a missions faith promise. You don't have to write it out quite yet. We're going to pray in just a moment. But this is a really, really important thing for us to do. I've encouraged those of you that were here last week and those of you that were not. I encourage you, just, you know, look at where you're at. It's, it's fine to do that. It's good to do that. Just look at your own personal economy and just say, all right, here's where I'm at. This is where my income is, and this is where my expenses or alcohol is, and this is what I believe. And that's fine to do. It's fine. No problem with that. It's fine to evaluate that and say, this is what I think I'll be able to do in 2017. It doesn't start till 2017, and that's fine to do. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to operate in faith. That's what a faith promise card is. See if it's something that you can do and you can figure it all out on your own, then it's only up to you. But a mission faith promise says, this is what I'm trusting God to do. I'm trusting God to enable me to give X amount of dollars every single month to the missions program of my church so that these missionaries can be supported. Currently, we have 171. We also have others that are saying, could you help me? Could you help me? I need some help. Could you bring me to the team? Could I become a part of the missions team of the church? And we want to do that, friends, because missions is serious business. 
God loves the whole world. God loves the whole world. God is not favorably disposed toward us just because we're Americans. It's not like God just looks at us and says, you know what? I just like you above everybody else, and I just want to bless you above everybody else. God loves the whole world. He loves those thousands. What did you say, Tim? 10,000 kids that have gone. Could you imagine? I've got grandkids. You've got kids and grandkids. To think what is happening to the kids all over the world. And God is sending missionaries to do something about it. To go to those who are hurting and lost, to secularize, those who are so far from God. And you and I get a chance to be involved in that. And I'm not going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask you to make a difference with your life. I'm going to ask you to express faith, not just what you can do on your own, but to just say this, God, here's what I feel I can do on my own. And you probably have somewhat of a number in your head, but say, you know what? That's what I can do on my own, but I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to trust you for more than that. Now, let me tell you how that works. When you step out in faith, this is what you're saying, God, I'm going to write down a number and I'm going to believe that you're going to give me those kind of resources. And if you give them to me, I'm going to give them to the missions program. But here's what you also need to know. If you step out in faith with a missions faith promise and God does not provide, as I mentioned to you last Sunday, you're off the hook. You really are. God doesn't provide it. You can't give it. If God doesn't provide it, we're not going to call you up and say, hey, you know that card you filled out, you know, second week of November? We're just wondering. We're we're never going to do that. We're never going to send a letter. We're never going to call and say, this is between you and God. You're saying, I feel I could do this, but faith tells me I ought to do this. And then if God gives it, you're just saying, I'll do it. If God provides it, I'll do it. There are a lot of you who have done a mission faith promise before. I started this actually when I was 16 years of age. I got my first job. And I was in the service quite like this, and I heard a challenge about mission. 16 years of age, I didn't understand the way that I do now, but I said, God, I want to do that. I want to be a part of missions. I want to make a difference with my life. I don't want to live all of my days just for me. I want to make a difference. And I started in, and I have no regrets about it. It's the best investment that you'll ever make with your resources. And a lot of you have been doing this before. And those of you that have done it before, I'm going to ask you to do what I'm going to do this year, and that is to make the largest faith promise I've ever made in my whole life. Those of you who have done just faith, that's what it is, faith. I'm going to trust God for more permissions than I've ever given before. For those of you that this is new to you, just say, God, I'm willing. I want to be a part. I want my life to count. I want to make a difference in the world. Don't leave me out. I want to partner with you, and I want to partner with missionaries. You know what, friend? If you do this, I've done it enough. I've done it year after year after year, and I've always seen that God is faithful. We step out in faith. God meets us at the measure of our faith, and he says, you know what? You want to do it? You want to live beyond yourself? You want to make a difference with your life? I'll do it, and he provides, and we give it. It's just, it, sounds, it sounds unbelievable, but God always responds to great faith. So those of you that have never made a missions faith promise today, I encourage you to do it. Be the greatest thing you've ever done. You see, you and I, as you get ready to make this missions faith promise, just think about all the crazy things that our money goes toward. I mean, you know, we, we say that ah, we've got to have them because we've become adapted to them that we've got to have. Think about it, if you could imagine. I don't know if this messes with you sometime, but when I think about what I pay every single month for cell phones, for cable, for insurance. And sort of let that play with your mind a little bit when you think, okay, now I'm going to make a faith promise to give 
toward missions to make a difference in the whole world so that people come to know Jesus. And then you just let that settle in your spirit a little bit and say, okay, having considered that, and I'm going to step out in faith. You know what I found? Again, I've been doing this a long time. I'll sit down in two days, and I will pay online my utility bill, my electric bill. I never get up from my chair and just say, that felt so good to pay that electric bill. Thank God. I've never looked at my online banking and said, I just, I'm so grateful. You don't know how fulfilling it is to know that I've just had a debit on my account to go toward car insurance. That does not bring me fulfillment. But every month when I give to missions, oh, man, because I'm just saying, God, we're in partnership, and we're going to reach the world, and you can do it, and every one of you can do it. And it's all about obedience, and it's all about faith. So you've got that card. You've got a pen now. Let's pray, and then we're going to complete our card. So, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment. We know, God, that you are speaking to us. If we have ears to hear, we can discern you are speaking to us. We don't want to just do what we can do. That's not a faith promise. That's a a matter of actuality, something that we can do. God, what we want to do is we want to make a faith promise and believe that if you'll provide it, we'll give it starting next year. God, it'll make a difference. And a lot of kids are going to be loved and cared for. A lot of orphans are going to be rescued. A lot of lost people are going to be won. A lot of people who are, who are so hardened in their heart and so confused in their mind are going to come to know the wonder and the love and the grace of your son Jesus and all that he's done on a cross for them. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. So you have your card. My mission faith promise is God enables me. I will help to take the message of Jesus into all the world by giving through the missions program of Victory Church. 2017 missions faith promise. You can do it weekly or monthly because I pay things monthly, I think, in terms of monthly. So my faith promise commitment is a monthly faith promise given January to December of next year. Many of you are helping us with a special missions offering today for our missionaries and for our conference and and. You can fill that out, 2016 World Missions Conference, a one-time donation given by December the 11th. And then put your name and address, your information, your email, and just sign this card. Just sign and say, God, I believe. I'm trusting you. I'm expressing faith. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. I don't want to be left out. I want to make a difference with my life. And friends, it would be one of the most. I've spent a lot of stupid money. Anybody here besides me ever spend a lot of stupid money? But you'll be so glad. You'll be so glad you did something that will make a difference for time and all eternity. So just put it in that envelope there once you've completed it. And they're going to receive it. The worship team's going to sing while this is being collected. Please don't leave. We're only gonna, it'll only take us two to three minutes max to do this. And then I'm going to come up and pray a final prayer. But thank you. Thank you for your mission's faith promise. You give life, you love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore.
with me this morning everybody and can we give Jesus a big hand and give him praise you're a great God and we praise you so much hey I just want you to know before we're done how proud I am of you you're you're a person you're a church that is saying you know what I'm not going to just live my life for myself I'm going to realize my potential and what God wants me to do to reach the world. So I'm so proud of you. Every one of you that made a faith promise, and some of you did it because, you know, you've done it before and you're expressing faith. It's never been. Others of you, you did this for the very first time, and you may be a little bit nervous, and that's all right. I was too the first time. But here's what you're going to find. God's going to meet you, and God's going to help you. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of your faith. I love you. I hope you have an awesome week. I'll see you right back here next Sunday.